Welcome, everybody. This is episode 67 of the ClapperCast. I'm Burke, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sean. Sean, how's it going today? Well, I'm going to be sounding a lot better in this brief clip here than I do in the rest of the episode because I'm really, really good at remembering to change uh, my microphone settings and audacity. So, Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Um, but, uh, yeah, you kind of alluded to it. Um, today, we are lucky enough to be joined by Brandon Marlowe and Ryan James from the Hockey Minute podcast. It's a clapper cast first, our first guests popping that cherry. Uh, I think it was a great interview. Um, so you can find their content on thehockeyminute.com, at the Hockey Minute on Instagram and Twitter. Their podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Episodes drop Mondays, and sometimes they have an extra episode that drops on Thursdays. Now, these guys have some great content. Uh, they break down news, feature a little opinion, and also feature some great guests like Grant Fuhr and Bernie Nichols. Uh, behind the scenes, they also have a great team. They have audio engineer and producer Matt Giannotti and writers Julia Capullo and Marcus Bender. Uh, I thought this was a fun interview. Uh, Sean, what did you think about it? Yeah, it was a, it was a really great time to have uh, Brandon and Ryan on the show. They're a ton of fun to chat with. They're really knowledgeable guys, and they've got awesome chemistry with each other and that good sense of humor and banter. So it was a really fun, uh, really fun time with them. And uh, with that, I think we'll head straight into the conversation we had, so hope you all enjoy it. So first things first, we want to welcome Brandon and Ryan from the Hockey Minute to our show today. Guys, we are stoked to have you on. How's it going for you two? Yeah, doing pretty well, guys. Thanks for having us. Doing awesome, man. Long distance call here. Um, you guys joining us from very far away land of the lower mainland. We're on Vancouver Island, so... Thanks for taking the jump here and joining us. <laughs> yeah, man. I guess we'll dive into some of the questions we had for you guys. Um, start with an easy one here. So, uh, Brandon, I guess let's start with you. All time, do you have a favorite hockey moment? Oh, that's tough. That's really tough. Probably, uh, I mean, like a few of the recent ones come to mind for the for the Canucks. Uh, you know, like Burrow slaying the dragon, those kinds of things. But uh, uh, maybe the the golden goal for Crosby, that was pretty wicked. Uh, kind of celebrating it in the streets for Vancouver. I think that was a pretty special moment. And as far as just being a Canucks fan, I think that's the only like moment of like revelry I've had as far as cheering hockey in my entire life. So I guess I'd probably have to go with uh, with that one. So you got, you got to celebrate the golden goal in the streets as it happened with Canadian hockey fans. Yeah, exactly. That's that sounds amazing. Yeah, that's one of those moments where everybody knows kind of where they were when that happened. I remember where I was watching that. Yeah. It's just yeah. one of those. This is a big moment, kind of, kind of things. Uh, Ryan, same yeah, question for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, man. it's just kind of an easy one because uh, I'm a, a fan of a team that's actually won stuff. Uh, 2018, uh, Washington Capitals, <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights, Game Five. Seeing Alex Ovechkin, who I idolized growing up, to see him lift the Stanley Cup, that was uh, probably my greatest hockey moment for sure. Yeah, baby, I, I, uh, <laughs> I feel you on that one. Um, that was a great moment. Um, definitely got a little teary-eyed when, when Ovechkin's standing beside Bettman, you know, getting ready to lift that cup, and then you just see his passion in, in his eyes. Just I got a I got a pretty good picture it. in that moment and captioned it with like everyone deserves to be as happy as Ovechkin in this moment, and he's just got this huge <laughs> grin on his face, like he's just ready to thrust that cup into the air, like it was amazing. I cried. I cried. <laughs> yeah, when they were doing the skate around with the, with the cup, I definitely, definitely got to me. It's probably 
going to be like a while until we see a, a celebration like the Caps again, right? With the way oh, that yeah. they're talking about rolling out the next seasons going forward and stuff like that. And, and not to mention that mm-hmm. uh, that chick giving us the, the, the memorable picture as they were taking <laughs> the cup around. I think it's, it's going to be a while until we celebrate like that. I mean, even St. Louis's celebration seemed a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more toned down in the Capitals' victory lap. Uh, they seem to just go all out, uh, you know, from swimming in fountains and, and going to the Nats game and just chugging beers through shirts and, and things like that. It just seemed like next level. And uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, just they kind of got short end of the stick a little bit um, where they've, they've had some, some celebrations, but... There's not as much open. They can't do as much. You know, even like crossing the border is hard for a lot of these guys. So, uh, kind of a little bit of a shame there. So I guess they'll just have to win another <laughs> one so that they can, you know, celebrate <laughs> fully. Well, they brought Patrick Maroon back, so that's that's lately the symbol of who's gonna win the cup. So they've got they got to get a good chance here. Yeah, you, yeah. See, you, see, you see the like a fat Marion Hosa. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit more luck on his side, though. Yeah. He's, he's not on the uh, <laughs> the losing team back-to-back and then winning. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, so I guess uh, we'll switch more into um, the show side of thing for you guys. Um, so it seems like you guys have a bit of a diverse crew. Uh, you know, on your website, on the About Us page, I was looking at, um, you know, you guys have um, your producer, Matt. Um, you've got uh, your writers, Julia and Marcus, and seems like you guys are you know from a variety of fan bases i'm not sure if you guys all live in kind of the same area or if you knew each other before uh forming the podcast so just wanted to kind of bend your ear on uh how it all came together for you yeah guys. man i mean it's you're right we are pretty diverse uh brandon and i are in western canada mark is in uh, montreal and Jules, I think, just moved to Stamford, Connecticut, wherever that is. And uh, Matt is in New York. So um, it kind of came together uh, just online uh, when COVID hit. I remember actually I got sick. Pretty sure I had the Rona, but it was never confirmed. And I remember just jumping on Reddit, sitting on my couch. And I saw this post from a, a guy saying, hey, I'm, I'm looking to start a podcast, a hockey pod, and uh, looking for a, a couple of hosts. And um so I just answered that Reddit post, and Brandon, I'm sure you probably had a, a similar story, I guess, eh? Yeah, but I, I never get sick. I'm invincible. Looking <laughs> <laughs> through Reddit. And... <laughs> so that's pretty pretty cool that you end up uh, the two hosts end up from all over North America, but they end up being from the same little area in, in Western Canada. So that's pretty cool for you know small world type stuff. Yeah, like we we talked about that, and and even you know Jules actually used to live in uh, I think she lived in. Brooklyn and Matt lives in Manhattan I might have that backwards but even for them I think they said they're about a 30 minute subway ride away from each other so it kind of I mean it worked out well because for Brandon and I being in the same time zone recording and stuff we can sometimes just record uh you know 10 p.m 11 p.m something like that and uh it's it's been it's been quite the journey to to kind of see how far we can take it and where we want to take it for sure yeah that's definitely pretty neat that it, it ended up so close together on both ends of the you know the, the countries or the pro, uh, continent we've got two close together in bc and two close together on the east coast it's pretty small world sort of deal but that's yeah. uh that's pretty neat um that you guys kind of came together online and, and were able to create something like create content and and share it and work on it together uh that's really 
really cool. I know it's kind of a way different story than Sean and me because we just <laughs> went to school together. <laughs> and then, like, you know, we, we talked so much about hockey, you might as well record it. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's literally it. where we ended up. It's just funny how it's going to be so different. But, uh, you know, just the passion for the game is there. And Yeah, like, I think I think that's what makes it so fun, too, is that Brandon, like, he's, you know, he's a little bit older than me and he, he's seen more uh, – you know more Canuck teams play and everything but you know he's been around the game a lot he, he understands the game I think when you're born in Canada I think that's just sort of a, a second nature for you right is you know you you watch hockey night in Canada you you, you see all this stuff and so um it, you know I think that's really where we kind of lucked out because you're right you never know what you're getting I could have been a complete you know Fairweather fan uh co-hosting and 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 that sort of thing but I think from day one, we kind of realized, like, we both understand the game and we've got some, I mean, you know, some opinions, some takes that maybe people uh, won't agree with. I know Brandon is a, is a Quinn Hughes fanboy and, and he's got some thoughts on Kale McCarr's deployment that maybe uh, lands him in hot water with uh, on the bench with Beaks, for instance. But, um, you know, it's it's worked out really well. So you mentioned you guys have the the passion for the game. But is that something that ultimately drove you to wanting to get into creating content rather than just watching it? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, I, like I, I don't know. I guess I just always I always like talking about hockey and you see the the prominence of podcasts. It seems like it's a good way to kind of get those conversations out there and engage with more people and and you know in those like-minded conversations like you kind of get sick of having the surface level hockey conversations at work if people aren't super into it you kind of get the same you know fire newell brown or whatever the other you know hockey memes that they've got on the, on the surface level going on without getting into the, the actual deep stuff so no it's just it's worked out really really well yeah and i think the other thing with it too is is you, you mentioned creating content like kind of like what you guys said i mean you know most people have one or two people they they can talk about the game with but sometimes and this applies to anything i think you could just be like we should record our conversations about movies or, or whatever then just throw it out there and see what happens and and for us like we've you know we've built a bit of a a listenership and and you know i think uh being able to have some guests on too is is really fun because you can get different opinions on things as well it's it's a lot of fun um i got a follow-up question um about you know you guys kind of kind of learning each other and <laughs> who your co-host is on the fly and you don't have kind of a pre-established relationship yeah. like Sean and I had um, where you know we might know each other's hot takes just before we start recording but for for you guys was there kind of a learning curve just kind of getting to know your co-host and being like a little nervous to share like the super hot takes that you had <laughs> and being you know yeah I, I think so like if you go back and, and i mean i wouldn't recommend it don't listen through uh to episodes one through ten because <laughs> i think we were both kind of like started about yeah you know like started the grand fear episode and, and yeah exactly take off from there. but we we did i think because you know the other thing too is we are close uh geographically but like again we've never met each other and i think it was like a couple months in before we actually he had me over uh his wife made a lovely dinner and and had us or had me over and uh that was the, probably the first time that we'd we got a chance to really develop the chemistry there but um i don't know brandon i mean i'm not sure what your thoughts are on it you probably hated me you're like this, yeah, yeah you probably hate it you're like this this it's, I, I still yeah. hate you i'm just i'm suffering through this just <laughs> because i really love our producer and i'm hoping that uh, that, that through matt he can take us all the glory 
No, man, it was, it was definitely some kind of a feeling out period, but it's just, I think it's just like anything, right? You can, as you kind of grow and kind of get some inside jokes and some knowledge and all that kind of stuff, it just makes the relationship better. And we've had a pretty good chemistry from the start. And, um, it's just in terms of like making the conversation on air sound like the conversation we have off air is kind of a challenge. And I think it's harder than people give it, <laughs> give you, give it credit yeah. for. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. But, uh, I think we're certainly getting closer to that. It's getting to be a lot easier to just be comfortable and kind of chat and have these talks. And I think it's kind of, it, it shows in the work anyway. Yeah. It's kind of building that chemistry is huge. I know, um, for Sean and me, we had a challenge where we were recording in person and it was so easy. And then, you know, we were working in a studio where we both had mics and then I moved down to Victoria and, it was just a big challenge to, to record and we had to kind of learn on the fly about how to record remotely and you know how to sync up the files and all that sort of stuff so um but you know the the passion's there and you'll find a way to do it right and uh you know you guys can always throw up another ad if, if it doesn't work out for a new co-host <laughs> right like <laughs> you, can, you can post another reddit ideas. thread <laughs> yeah <laughs> But uh, Sean, I know you had a question kind of to bounce off of that, uh, that whole concept of like having guests on. Yeah. So you mentioned getting, getting to have guests on. You've, you've had a wide variety of people. You've had other podcast hosts like, uh, like myself, you've had other uh, media personalities on, but one of the ones that stood out to me is getting the chance to speak with hockey hall of fame legends like Grant Fear and Bernie Nichols. So I was wondering if you could speak to um, how those opportunities came about and just what the experience was like to have them on the show. Yeah, I mean, I can. It's, I'm just going to give you credit. <laughs> it's just it's just Ryan reaching out is, is really all it is. I think Ryan reached out to, to Grant Fear, and he was pretty pretty easy to get on. Yeah. Um, really, just a matter of kind of reaching out to his wife through email and kind of uh, having to go through those. <laughs> that, that <laughs> and then uh, Bernie Nichols, you, you would think, was uh, would be a Hall of Famer with his numbers. But as we learned, because he's a little bit... I mean, I guess I would have watched him when I, when I was a kid, but I wasn't. I was more of a Canucks fan than a hockey fan when I was in my, my early days, obviously. And so he kind of slipped under the radar for me. But, yeah, looking into him, we found out he's actually not a Hall of Famer, which wasn't a question that we managed to get into. Maybe that's like a second interview kind of question. But, uh, yeah, really, it just I think it just comes down to reaching out to these people. Like, they're always happy to come on. It seems like we've had very few outright rejections. Like, some guys leave us red and don't, don't do anything about it. But, uh <laughs> For the for the most part, people are pretty good to come on. I think you just have to kind of have the uh, have the the balls, I guess, to, to put yourself out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot, exactly. and shoot right? And, and Brandon, I just wanted you to say something yeah. nice after you you said that you hated me. Um, but I I think with uh, <laughs> like like Brandon said, I mean, I think what it is nowadays, and and we learned this early on. I mean, you know, our first few guests, like there was a couple guys, like I played with a guy I went to high school with, who's an athletic trainer for a local team, and then. I think Brandon reached out to a couple guys at TSN and Sportsnet who came on, but the the thing that we started to kind of realize was back in, you know, I mean, even as early as this early part of the, the millennium, there wasn't a million other podcasts and stuff, right? And and I, I would always encourage anybody, if you host a podcast, you guys included, like, if you want to have a guy on, just reach out. And I mean, the worst thing, like Brandon said, I mean, I reached out to... Uh, I don't know if I want to name names, but a couple of guys that, you know, they, they read the message and just never responded. And, and that's OK, because that happens to me all the time on Hinge and Tinder as well. So it, it was like, <laughs> no big deal. but when you get a guy, you know, you reach out to 10 people and a guy like Bernie Nichols is like, yeah, for sure. Here's my number. Like, let's set something up. Then at that point, it's like, well, I don't really care about the other nine people that said no or, or didn't respond at all. And and uh now looking back it's like that's that's something pretty cool i didn't take part in the grant fear interview because i was working but 
um, you know, obviously Brandon got a chance to, to speak to a guy that, I mean, he's a legend. And I think that's, even if nobody listened to it, it's kind of a nice feeling to know that you had a chance to speak to a guy like that. That's, that's, that was just a really impressive one that definitely stood out to us. That was, that was, uh, I, oh, Sean being yeah. an Oilers fan. I know that was, yeah, I totally, I, I saw you guys post like the preview clip or the preview like post for that. And I immediately screenshot and sent it to Burke. I'm like, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that was impressive to see, to see Grant fear just coming on a podcast, like a fan made podcast. It's really cool to see uh, that type of thing happening. I think we're just in that era now where, for those older players, they never had a million shows to maybe jump on. They only had like TSN and that was it. And then on top of that, I think a lot of media people now, they're looking to help out because for them, they never know when they're going to find somebody who might be a good get for them, right? I mean, look at Steve Dangle, I think was making YouTube videos in his basement. And then all of a sudden Sportsnet saw he developed a following and they hired him and, and now look at him, right? So I think uh, I think everyone's just kind of helping each other out now and I think that's really cool I mean obviously you guys are our friends in the podcast world and uh, we've got a, a small little community and I think it's just really awesome to to see everyone get the support that they're, they're looking yeah so like you said the, the content creation communities are are really cool and a lot of them are really accommodating like more than you think it seems intimidating just to hop in and start putting your your content and what you want to make out there and to, to reach out to these other people who just have established careers in the industry, like 20 year professionals or these massive followings. But, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them seem to be, they, they remember kind of where they started or their origins and they're cool to help out, uh, help out some of the people just starting just to get into the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, like we had, uh, well, yeah, I mean, we had Scott Rintoul and we've had him on a couple of times, but like Matt Sakaris came on our show recently and, and that's what he talked about was just like, you know, you just kind of put in the work and, and you know, but it, it's never like nobody's ever self-made, right? It's whether it's you're a hockey player or otherwise, you'd be in the media, but like Scott Rintoul didn't get to where he is because he just woke up one day and <laughs> someone hired him and just thought he was awesome, right? Like it's, you know, <laughs> you, you have to know people. And, and so, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think with the content creation though, like our thing is we always are willing to go on other people's shows if it helps them out. Um, you know, and I mean, we, we were on a show, the 131 podcast recently, where those guys are in Boston and one of them's actually in Japan because he serves in the U.S. Marines. So they're in a totally a different area of the world and they're trying to expand their listenership. And like, and, and, you know, and I mean, Sean, when you came on our show, you did this as well. Like it wasn't just, you know, you guys posting a quick little blurb like on your story of we were on the show. Like if we go on someone else's show, we always make a point, make a post, promote that show. And uh, if even one or two people that listen to us end up being turned on to you guys and listening to you guys as well, like all that does is, you know, the, it's a cliche, but the rising tide raises all ships. And that's what we're so excited about because oh, yeah. it's not like any of us, I don't know about you guys, we're not getting paid to do this. So <laughs> it's like, we, it's, <laughs> no, no, this is all fun. It's, not. All fun so it's just like, <laughs> if we can all just, you know, build up our brands and everything and, and, you know, who knows where that'll take it. Of course. I mean, word of mouth marketing is basically the best and most reliable type. So you get, you, you get people going on other people's shows and then suddenly, you know, I'm going to tell my friends about you guys coming on our show and then they'll check out the episode and maybe some of them go and listen to your stuff too. Right. And that word of mouth marketing is the best and that's the, the easiest and the, one of the best ways to spread the word of, of what you're doing in the early stages. Yeah. And I mean, we try to get creative. I know Brandon was actually going to do like a, a speedo ad for us, uh, 
which didn't take off, um, unfortunately. But you know, you got to, yeah, you got to get creative why. though. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't just sit on it and and like I like for instance, I'm not a social media guy at all. I I, I run the Instagram page and that's it. Um, but the like if you go back, you look at our first few posts. I wasn't hashtagging. I didn't know what that was, and so like nobody was seeing these posts, <laughs> and I just thought, oh yeah, the, you know somehow it'll grow i don't know how but you know that's like right. well, you're not hashtagging <laughs> anything so nobody knows this page exists so um yeah i mean it's all just a learning uh well i think we'll, we'll transition to some some hockey talk here um got some quick ones to kind of get the juices flowing here a little bit so uh, i want to do some uh, rate rate this off season like okay. grade a to f uh, and i want to start with the buffalo sabers so what do you guys think of their off season so far? This one, oh, I mean, like, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give an A for entertainment value. Because <laughs> like, I was like, I'm I'm on I'm on Team Chaos here with for anybody but the Canucks. I want to see the most insane things happen, and so it seems like it's just I don't know, man. I think they're trying to save Jack Eichel. Did <laughs> they want him to stay there instead of asking out? This is their last <laughs> desperate pitch to try and get that stuff sorted and. Taylor Hall signing a one-year show-me deal is just like I've, I'm not a big Taylor Hall fan so I don't really think that he's necessarily worth what he thinks he's worth and trying to get in the market so I'm just curious to see how that whole experiment's going to end how the rest of Buffalo is going to go man they're just they're yeah they're a tire fire but in, in terms of actual like <laughs> success for hockey I think I'd probably give them a D something like that I think they're going to be pretty middling again I think they're going to be I'm hoping that they're in the sad cl- sad club longer than the, the than the Canucks are, but that's just a, a personal bias. <laughs> Would you agree yeah, with that, I, I Ryan? Think, like their off season started off with them firing everybody except Kevin Adams, like you know, and then um, yeah. you know the Taylor Hall signing I think is good. I, I think Eichel and, and Rasmus Dahlin doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion. I think people recognized in the playoffs how good Heiskanen was in Dallas, but then Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr dominated the the storylines as well but Dalino was like he was drafted first overall and I think is second all time in points by a teenage defenseman and nobody really talks about him mm-hmm. um, I don't know who's in net like Carter Hutton I know is one of their goalies and I don't think he's a, a true number one so I, I'd like to see them Linus Olmark is it Olmark okay so and didn't doesn't Carter Hutton doesn't he have some sort of eye yeah. issue now where like his retinas were moving more than his eyeball or something so i don't know if that's a long-term strategy that's going to work out <laughs> could either go really well or really really bad but um i think in yeah. terms of a grade though like in, in terms of what they did it started off as like an f minus but i think getting taylor hall and, and i think you know committing to jack eichel like they want to make him happy uh, i give it a b because i think that Hall is still, I know, and I, I agree with Brandon. I, I'm not too sure what to make of him. I know, uh, Sean, you saw him in Edmonton plenty, but I don't think he's like a true number one, you know, guy yeah. that's going to lead you to the, the glory. But I think at the same time, if he can be a good compliment to Jack Eichel, then that's, you know, that those two guys together in a full season. Whatever, if they do play 82 games, I don't know if that's what they'll, they're planning on doing. But if they played 82 games, each of those guys I expect would be 90 points and above. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I joked about uh, when this signing happened is that Jack Eichel is now a player agent. He's going to give Taylor <laughs> Hall like 90 points on the season, give him a seven-year seven year $9 million per yeah. year deal or something somewhere else. Well, because Hall, he didn't play with McDavid. Like, they only had a 
couple dozen games together and it wasn't working out. So. No. Yeah, they, they got – no, exactly. They they didn't play much together at all. Then McDavid got injured, but even when they were playing together, it didn't – the chemistry didn't match. They're both mm-hmm. um, they're both puck carriers. Hall, Hall, skates, Hall skates very fast down the wing with the puck and then loses <laughs> it to the blue line or shoots it. Or and gets McDavid hit. needs the puck to create the offense. So, Or gets hit, yeah. I don't think I've seen a player in the NHL take bigger hits than Taylor no. Hall. He just gets uh, annihilated out there. Okay, so we got a, a – it was a D and a B, I, give it a I think. B, yeah. Was was the grade? Okay, so yeah. it averages out to yeah. about a C. Um, Sean and I were joking that they should trade for Patrick Liney. Oh yeah. Um, and then I, th- I think that would be a little interesting if they could if they could make that happen. But I don't know if they have anything that yeah. Winnipeg would really want. So, I think you mentioned uh, to me on Instagram about Sam Reinhardt. That would be probably something Winnipeg would want a second yeah, line like center. Any, anything like that's got to start because yeah. I got that Olafson kid. I think is he's in their long term plans. But yeah, it's got to start with Reinhardt and then. Casey Middlestat's probably gone, and maybe move Brandon Montour or something like that, and then a pick, and see if that's enough. Like, I don't know. <laughs> How many moody superstars <laughs> do you need on a team, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Really building a... It's going to be NHL's reality show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like Hockey Wives, but it's in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, well, we'll move on. Uh, next team here I got is Detroit. So I guess uh, we'll pass that one to you, Ryan. You get the first take on that one. I mean, so they brought in Stetcher. Who else did they bring in? Did they bring in anybody? (laughs) They've brought in Bobby Ryan. Um, I think, was it like Nemesnikov? Yeah, so just depth pieces, Um, right? They brought him in on like one-year deals at really, really reasonable uh, AAV, too. Yeah. So... I think I think that they're personally stacking up uh, trade bait for the deadline so that they can get some more some more picks because they're going to be bad still. Um, so I think that's what they're doing. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I think there's a few other guys that they brought in for, for cheap. Yeah, just kind of minimal stuff. Like, you got to trust Iserman, right? He built that Tampa team. Um, I, I, I'd be curious yeah. to know if they'd send him a ring. I know Chicago, their first cup, they gave Dale Talon a ring just – as a thank you for, you know, putting together all those draft picks and contracts. But uh, to answer your question, like if they're just doing kind of minimal moves, uh, bringing in depth pieces, like I don't think you can really give them an A. But Larkin and Mantha and Bertuzzi, I know they got Bertuzzi under contract, which I thought was kind of a higher, (laughs) a little higher than I thought he would get. But I think it's, uh, this team's not going anywhere anytime soon. You just got to trust Iserman's, you know, long-term vision here and, He's done it before. I think he can do it again. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, the guys that they that you mentioned though that they did bring in, they're not gonna somehow make the team any better. Um, so I don't know. I give them like a C. Like it's just kind of a middle of the pack. Yeah, it looks like they Thomas also Grace added well. uh, Mark Stahl, um, John Merrill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Grace, and they also signed Bertuzzi on that one year extension. Yeah, it was like four million though, wasn't it? Through arbitration, right? Yeah. Through arbitration, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd give him a C too. And again, it's just, it's the same thing. I don't need to go over the whole thing that Ryan said, but I just agree. It's like on on Iserman's kind of ability as a manager, you kind of feel like you can have some faith in what he's trying to do. And you're right, like Detroit hasn't had the chance to suck <laughs> in a quarter century, so like finally to allow them to kind of hit bottom, accrue draft picks, play that side of the game to kind of come back strong. I've 
I have a feeling that they're going to be a powerhouse in about six, seven years when Eisenman's finally got them kind of tuned up. Like, Eisenman probably spent that same six, seven years building what the Lightning roster has been the last couple of years. So it's going to take time, and it's going to be a, probably a bit of a, a bit of a patience tester for some exactly. of the Detroit fan base. Yeah, he touched on that from his very first interview as GM in Detroit. He said, you know, this is going to take time. You know, it's not going to be a overnight transition sort of thing. Um, so just kind of have some patience and you know we'll, we'll turn it around and yeah i guess kind of to bounce off what you guys have said i th- I, I have faith in the eyes plan you know he's he's done it once he's he's gonna do it again he's already making moves in the right dis- uh, direction and yeah, i think he's he's gonna get them back to that uh maybe not quite a 25 year playoff uh consecutive appearances but maybe you know at least get back into playoffs sometime soon uh, okay, so um, this one's just kind of a maybe not too many moves, but I'm curious what you guys think. So uh, St. Louis, how do you rank their off season? Oh, I mean the only thing you can think about is Petrangelo, right? I mean, like just imagine being a St. Louis fan, letting kind of the heartbeat of your team go for a bunch of like I've got my my kid here, <laughs> but I can't say how I truly <laughs> like a bunch of crappier pieces for. Uh, for, for what you let go, I think that's that's that I would be just absolutely choked if, if, if that were the team that I followed or, you know, cheered for. So um, it's a bit of a head scratcher for sure. I mean, it'd be different if they hadn't have, if they hadn't have made it to the promised land, but they, they just got there and then they let their, their guy go. I mean, it's kind of an unwritten rule that you give a guy, you know, like a little bit of a pay raise that you're going to pay for later when you win a cup and um, just to, to let Petrangelo go for, for worse defensemen. It just, I don't know, man, I'd be choked if I were a St. Louis fan. So you're obviously not buying into the Krug. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with Brandon. Like, it was – I couldn't – I don't know, man. I mean, you look back even prior to the flat cap and COVID and all that, it just seemed like after they traded Edmondson to get Justin Falk and then they promptly signed him to a long-term deal, it, it kind of made people wonder what Armstrong's plan was. But, I mean and, – and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. People treated Armstrong like he – like he totally was blindsided by not being able to afford him. But I, I think that this might've been his plan all along because he signs Falk. And then, you know, I, I think there are other signings along the way where he was throwing out some money at guys that people were doing the math thinking, yep. okay, Petrangelo might want 8.5 to 9 million in a pre COVID world. And then the flat cap hits like, do you guys think that Armstrong maybe all along was a little bit hesitant because he saw what Eric Carlson and, Drew Doughty, how, how those guys took steps Absolutely. back. I think, I think I remember writing or talking about this last offseason that signing Petrangelo was going to be difficult to begin with, and then they go and sign Fault to six and a half per year for on a long-term deal. And I think right as soon as that happened, it's like, okay, he's like Justin Falk is going to be coming in for Petrangelo, and then they bring Krug in as a slightly cheaper version to, to help cover some of the losses of, of Petrangelo as well. Yeah, but it's weird because Petrangelo is, I mean, how often do you get a six foot two right shot guy that he plays good in both ends? It's like, I mean, no no disrespect to Justin Falk, but like, I would have let that guy walk. I mean, you just try to shed salary anyways, you just want a Stanley Cup. So it, it didn't make sense to me at the time. And then, I, I don't know, I mean, I hate Vegas, like irrationally because of 2018. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... They, but it's just you know they I find them to be such an arrogant organization and now they they go out and they sign this guy and it's like they're going to be a wagon I think for the next five or six years. 
I think in St. Louis case though, it I didn't see crew yeah. going there, but that kind of blindsided me. So, I mean, their off season started yeah. off uh, losing Petrangelo, but getting Krug like that's I mean that to me is like that's like a C plus B minus move because you're you're still you're replacing a whole, but you also it's it's not that Petrangelo walked on his own way. It's you know he didn't let them know ahead of time. Hey, I'm going to free agency. And then I don't know who else they brought mm -hmm. in, but I guess it doesn't matter. You lost your captain, so. Yeah, the I kind of had some hope that they were going to resign him when they traded Allen to yeah. the Habs. I thought they were kind of trying yeah. to make yeah. it happen. And then, yeah, as soon as you said, I'm going to go see <laughs> Vegas, it was like, oh, come on. How did they keep How many away guys need to go to Vegas? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like the NBA a little bit where it's like a oh, super yeah. team. Yeah, it's like, get out of here. And I'm, I'm right in that same boat, Ryan, where I have that, that hatred of, vegas because we face them in the finals and you know it's just like the the storyline of you know we, we our very first season we're we're immediately successful and it's like you guys haven't earned this like <laughs> now you have the absolute just devastating team and you kind of have that jealousy almost of like oh why couldn't my team be this good like yeah. <laughs> all the time like, like, like i'll be honest <laughs> yeah. if Vegas won that cup I would have stopped watching hockey altogether like we would not be having this conversation as as podcast hosts I would have just been like this <laughs> this sport is so ridiculous but Vegas and I don't know Burke uh, your thoughts on Vegas but I, I the reason for me I wanted to root for them as this new team and you know outside of Marc-Andre Fleury they didn't really get any blue chip guys and then all of a sudden it was like this arrogance of like you know we're western conference champs in year one and then year two we got screwed because of a a bad penalty and then this year it was yeah. like this cockiness of Pacioretty and and you know all these other guys and I just remembered thinking like you guys haven't technically won anything like pump the brakes here it's not like you came in and we're an instant dynasty so um and the Ryan Reeves comments and I've said this on our show Ryan Reeves comparing himself to Tom Wilson is just ridiculous because oh. Tom yeah. Wilson has more <laughs> goals in the last two years than Ryan Reeves has his entire career so um I don't know. I, I just the Vegas organization just bugs me a little bit. You don't like the uh, lion in the jungle. You, you also have the biggest man crush. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Tom Wilson's a handsome guy, but but it's yeah. I just I don't understand this whole comparison. Like Tom Wilson is a unicorn. Josh Anderson's probably the closest thing to to Tom Wilson, and and even that's kind of tough because Anderson's always hurt. Wilson's seemingly indestructible. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm huge on Wilson too. Yeah. Uh, his contract's a little bit of overpay, but I, I think he's incredible what he brings to the Caps. But, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely kind of similar sentiment for Vegas. I actually, um, my girlfriend at the time when Vegas was, was right before their inauguration, their first game, my, my girlfriend went to Vegas and actually picked me up a shirt, and I was super excited. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm going to root for this new team. And then, yeah, what do you know? They, they end up facing my favorite team in the finals, and I can't really cheer for them anymore. And, and then, yeah, you have the addition of all these top-end talent to their team because they didn't have any of those those high-end guys in the first season. They just got kept getting better. And, you know, they had Nate Schmidt, and they had just so much so many ties to the Capitals. I just got tired of it. I <laughs> <laughs> couldn't handle it anymore. And now we're still seeing them get better year after year. You know, they got Leonard. They've got Petrangelo. They've got uh, – Theodore is becoming an absolute beast, oh, so yeah. it's just it's That's just, an it's amazing one-two for them, though. 
Yeah, and that's what's scary is they they don't seem to have the salary cap like in mind when they're doing all this stuff too. Like I'm, <laughs> I don't understand how this team they were in talks too about. Apparently they made a, a pitch to get Taylor Hall and they were trying to sign him to like a one year, like four to five million dollar contract. And I was just like, what? Like, how were they going to do this? And I think their ownership group is like, you know what? We'll just spend the money and figure out the rest as we go. <laughs> so I yeah. don't know. I mean, every every team. I was going to say that's the amazing thing they they have they bring on all these players but they still have players signed to bad contracts that they could unload and get even more good players in it's like somehow <laughs> they still just keep finding cap space wherever yeah and I don't understand yeah. how like you know it's I don't know but yeah it's uh, to answer your question though B B minus for St. Louis well before I even ask ask Brandon what his what his rating is just to bounce off the the Vegas um, I mean, you've got to kind of be happy as a Canucks fan that you're able to kind of take advantage of that cap situation and get Nate Schmidt for what, like a just an absolute basement price. Oh, bargain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, it seems like it was almost like a favor to Nate Schmidt. Like, because I think a lot of GMs, I've heard that, I can't remember the quotes now, but basically they, a few of them were saying, like, they, they, they wish they were, you know, in on that call, that they knew that Schmidt was up for that kind of a, a, a fee. And I think. The Canucks might have been the only one of the only teams to offer just a, a pick with no player going the other way, so it's just a pure salary dump for Vegas, mm-hmm. and so it just kind of gives them that benefit. But man, yeah, I, I'm stoked to see Nate Schmidt. I mean, I, I thought that I was pretty worried that they were going to make a push for OEL, and I'm not a super big fan of OEL and his contract and all that kind of stuff. I think it's a bit pricey. So to get Nate Schmidt in, and he seems like he's a real character guy. I'm, I'm pretty stoked to see what he can bring to the back end. I'm hoping, uh, hoping that they're, they're going to play him with Hughes, even though Travis Green's kind of hesitant to ever play a guy on his offside um on on the back end and so it, i mean but that's where nate schmidt's been best for however many years in vegas so anyway hopefully hopefully that pans out that way and they can have a really kind of uh, dynamic offensive one too yeah i've uh, i feel like my worlds are kind of colliding here with uh, having you guys on because canucks are adding so many canucks or uh, capitals players that um <laughs> You know, it's the, the team yeah. where I live is adding. This, this is kind of the first good one, though, right? <laughs> Don't you talk shit about Jay Beagle. He is a good boy. That guy is such such a heart and soul guy. And then Brayden Holpe, um, I mean, yeah. playing second fiddle is, is not too shabby. I'm happy that, uh, you know, kind of the fan favorite players of the Capitals, because Nate Schmidt was just loved. I don't know about you, Ryan, but. When he was on the Caps, I absolutely loved him and felt he was in Trotz's doghouse a little bit. Couldn't really get any time. Yeah, it seems like everywhere Schmidt goes, people like him, right? So that's why I think him coming to the Canucks, and I don't even think he's really that old. I think he's like early to mid-20s still, but for him to come in as to a young team that's growing anyways is going to be really good. And Yeah, it's. I mean, that's the thing. Like you said, Burke, It's you, you got Beagle very likable guy uh schmidt holpe's just a really down-to-earth low-key you know i think he'll fit right in in vancouver going to craft breweries and listen to like, <laughs> indie music all all day and um so it's like it's a likable group that's coming over too and uh mm-hmm. i know it's, it's unfortunate with COVID. i'd love to get downtown and maybe try to bump into them and you know ask to see their cup ring or something yeah, and, and Holpe, too, is, is super involved with, like, the LGBTQ community. Yeah. He was in D.C., so I think he'll, he'll probably bring that side of his life to to Vancouver as well, and he'll fit right in right on, you know, maybe going to the events on Davie Street and stuff. So um, 
I'm I'm really happy that they're all the all the capitals guys are coming out west. It's it's nice. Well, the Canucks need to know what having <laughs> championship pedigree is like, so that's why you have to bring in guys like this. You know, you can't just live off of uh, you know Brandon Sutter's and Michael Furlan's and Tyler Myers. Yeah, the champion pedigree that worked out so well with Messier. Let's just keep he just, trying. He just made the entire fan base hate you there, Brandon. Yeah, yeah, it has. A... You you mentioned his name. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not be named exactly <laughs> oh man okay well uh maybe let's just move on here um another kind of a um question here is uh so this off season which of the canadian teams do you th- guys think moved closer to, to winning a stanley cup and uh brandon we kind of shafted you on the last question so we'll start with you on this one. Oh man i don't think any of the canadian teams are really close to it i know people keep picking toronto and Ryan and I just kind of did an impromptu power ranking. If, if they do like an all-Canadian division, we were kind of trying to figure out who would sit on top. And both of us said Toronto, but I don't know how confident either one of us is about <laughs> Toronto actually winning the Cup. Um, you know, I, I think I'm actually higher on Calgary in their offseason than Ryan was. But maybe that's because I'm a bigger fan of Markstrom and just know how many games he won for the Canucks last year that he can probably... I mean, I, I think he's a, he's a legit top-five goalie in the league. So I think that Calgary, if if... If uh, Johnny Goudreau can actually, you know, do anything in the playoffs, <laughs> they, they probably have a bit of a chance, especially with Matt Kachuk getting the year older and stronger and kind of taking over the leadership of that team more. I think that they're probably set to surprise a little bit. Um, other than that, man, I, I really I, I, I think it's going to be another Tampa or Boston or one of these fucking irritating <laughs> – sorry if I can't swear, <laughs> one no, of these irritating teams that <laughs> manages to, to always be there at the top. One struggle for Gaudreau is that he doesn't seem to be able to be um, the guy. That uh, he kind of he kind of gets overpowered easily. Yeah. So to have someone like Kachuk, who has a bit more of a dominating, um, overwhelming presence in the game, he might be able to take over the number one role from Gaudreau and help help Johnny thrive a little bit more in a in a, a complementary role. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think like yeah. Kachuk, it's it's his team, man. I mean, Gaudreau and Monahan, they just seem like they're they're gonna be not getting any better they're not going to take over the leadership roles that they need to and i think chuck when you think of the calgary flames right if you play wordless word, word association and you just throw out calgary flames matthew kachuk's probably the first guy that comes to your mind i mean he's chaos out there and he's i mean you know he's, he's a, just a he's not that much faster than Corey <laughs> perry but he's a bit of a faster well, isn't that isn't that who he modeled his game after like that was his favorite so. player growing up or something yeah Oh yeah, there's that. Uh, oh, I, that, there's I love that, that draft. On, on Coach's Corner, yeah. right? It's like, oh, <laughs> I hate you already. <laughs> Corey Perry. And his, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. I mean, it's that same game, um, and you definitely saw it when he was out in the, you know, the series against Dallas. It's like, yeah, he's he's not there, and the team is worse because of it, like a lot worse. And you saw him in the stands, mm-hmm. just yeah, yeah. He's not he's not the most skilled guy on Calgary, but like Brendan Gallagher got that nice contract from Montreal. And some people said it was an overpayment, but there were, I don't know if this is something you can quantify on a stat necessarily, but it was like when Gallagher was hurt, the team, the, the Canadians, they just, they weren't winning games and they were just kind of like dull. Like there was no energy to them. And that's why Gallagher got probably a little bit more than what his stats would indicate. So Kachuk's the same way it's like you know the the, the flames kind of folded when he was out and um you know Gaudreau and those guys they're not yeah. 
you know, they're not game breakers, I don't think. And Goudreau's a great regular season player, but it just isn't the same thing in the playoffs. And I just want to get it in here. Uh, Brandon, you don't have to tell me about uh, Markstrom. I'm a huge Markstrom guy, too. I absolutely love him. And um, I think he's, yeah, he's going to be a workhorse that Calgary's kind of been looking for since really Kiprasov. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, we kind of saw that be a struggle for them this past season when David Riddick kind of took a step back from the year before and Cam Talbot was okay, but he has his own, his own struggles that he needed to work on. And both of them, you know, they, they, they survived the season, but they weren't as good as they need as Calgary needed in the net. Goaltending is just such a hard thing to try and get your finger on the pulse of like, who is going to have a hot season and who's not right. Like you look at Markstrom, you can kind of expect that the last couple of years, he was the MVP of the Canucks and you think that he's probably going to have a good, you know, three to five years coming up or whatever. But like two seasons ago, David Riddick had a really good year, and he looked like he could be turning out to be another Jacob Markstrom, and there seems to be two or three of those guys every season that are like, they seem to be ready to turn on, and they don't. Yeah. And I just I just don't know how to kind of figure out goaltending. The rest of hockey seems like you can kind of figure out a, a, a career arc that makes sense for guys, but goaltending, I just haven't ever been, ever been I see it referred to as voodoo magic pretty often, and I'm <laughs> quite on board with that description. It's just, who knows? Yeah. It just happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. anybody who's ever met a goalie in person just knows that they're weird and you can never get a real handle on what they're going to do. Um, so I think that must translate to their career. It's just, you know, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> it could be, could be great. And then it could be bad the next year. Like, like Dave Riddick, it's just so hard to predict. Um, so um, you guys are going, I guess with Toronto for that, uh, no, I'm actually, I, I've been, I'm going to actually change it up here because, and I'm not just pandering because Sean's on. I think Edmonton is probably the closest team. I don't think they got any better in the off season, I, but I just think McDavid and Drysaddle. I mean, how often do you get two Hart Trophy winners on the same team? Like Pittsburgh was that way back in the 90s with Lemieux and Yager. But I think that at the end of the day, McDavid's at a point in his career now. What what is he in now? Year six he'll be going into, I think. I believe so. so Five or six. Yeah. So I mean, you think about. I mean, Jack Eichel is frustrated, obviously, but McDavid is. Uh, he's got some playoff experience, but I think that he's looking around at the other guys that he's compared to. Right, Crosby by this time had two Cup final appearances, one Cup, you know, uh, multiple individual awards and everything, and and I just feel like that team with those two guys they are going to just like McDavid. I will say this, Sean, I was watching him in the playoffs in his own zone. He's, he's got a lot to learn. Uh, he, you know, some yeah. of the goals, he oh, was yeah. a liability out there. Um, him and dry both. Yeah. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, his talent is just too great to be denied a, a run. And it, it may end up that he's an Ovechkin type where he won't win until he's 30. But in terms of Canadian teams though, I think Edmonton's got a really great shot. I think the Canucks are coming up, yeah. and Toronto people will say that they're there. I only said Toronto because I think the talent is already there. I don't think Joe Thornton signing there is going to somehow make them better in terms of skill. But that's a guy who has been around the league longer than some of those guys in Toronto have been alive. And I think that his kind of uh, like his whole mentality about like you know you can make a hundred million in your your career, but nobody's going to remember you because of the money you made they're going to remember you by the championships and if he can somehow switch the mentality that those guys like Marner and Matthews and Nylander all have maybe Toronto will win but I think Edmonton's probably closer because I think that uh, 
you know, they, they just have a, and I mean, Ken Holland's a, a great GM too. And I think that he's going to help them out, but um, yeah, I, I'm thinking it's going to stay out West, man. I think Vancouver or, or Edmonton will be the first team to win. So I do feel it's important to mention uh, Edmonton just brought in Dominic Cahoon overnight slash today. Um, going back about five, six years, Dreisaitl and Cahoon played together in Germany when they were about 15 or 16. Uh, they each had about 200 points in 30 games. So they, <laughs> they you know, we're, we're looking at a seven goal a game second line here. <laughs> which, you know, Guaranteed. which will translate to in. the NHL, right? Of course, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> Always <does. laughs> No, No regression at all, just straight seven goals per game. Mm-hmm. So you don't think that uh, Wayne Simmons pushes them over the edge? <laughs> guaranteed cup win <laughs> oh, man. i love the wayne train and i like spezza and thornton like that's your, that's their fourth line um i said to brandon on our show like kovalchuk is a ufa too maybe they get uh, him in. <laughs> but yeah i think that <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but no I, I think toronto though like dubas is getting away from the analytics thing and that's a whole nother conversation that we don't need to dive into but <laughs> the analytics well, yeah, but like, hold on. So, like, he's he's like Dubis is finally building the team that Babcock wanted three years ago. Yeah, I know, I yeah. know. Yeah, your daughter agrees. Right, like he's he's finally bringing in those those grittier guys <laughs> that, that go against it, and it's like, man, you 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 lost your. Yeah, that's a good point. She's she's, she's big on Babcock. She she feels like he was unjustly fired. So. Big Babs yeah. fan. Yeah, that's the thing though. Is they're getting away yeah. from the analytics, and I think they're just looking at who are the teams that are winning, like. I don't think St. Louis was an analytics darling. I don't think Tampa was an analytics darling. It was just they had guys that were willing to do whatever it took to win, and their superstars got paid, and it seemed like – I mean, Marner even said, you know, in the last playoff round, he's like, oh, yeah, game one, I wasn't really interested. It's like, well, you're getting paid $10.5 to be interested to win a Stanley (laughs) Cup, and, you know, it's just not a great look. So I think a guy like Thornton will come in. I don't think he's a vocal guy in the the locker room, but – Wayne Simmons certainly is, and I feel like Wayne Train's going to be like, you know, don't take this for granted because you never know when uh, you're going to regress. And, and, I mean, he kind of did, actually, in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I kind of got on that Marner comment. Does Marner know who Thornton is? Like, he, <laughs> he said that comment where he said, I've been watching him since junior, like, or when he was in junior. So it's like, I don't know if he just misworded it, meaning, like, I was watching Thornton when I was in junior. Yeah. They made it sound like I was watching Jumbo in junior. Yeah. You weren't alive. <laughs> he was yeah, in, yeah. in utero. Yeah, I remember yeah. hearing yeah. some of the clips. Yeah. So it's like just some weird comments from him. And yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty poor one to say I wasn't interested in, you know, the Stanley Cup final or playoffs. Um, a bit sad. And, and yeah, um, the Babs thing, I saw this thing on Instagram just, just pop up. And it was an interview Babs did when he was starting coaching in in toronto and he was saying like you know these guys who are from ontario don't want to come here now yeah this is when he took over you know a number of years ago he said but they will we just have to make a competitive team and, and yeah they, they're they're coming there they're interested yeah they want to play there well i think i mean it's a little different if it was like you know mcdavid who said oh i'm a ufa at 27 i want to go there i mean joe thornton's 42 like this might just be him <laughs> might <laughs> him might be him just saying hey i want to go there because it's you know it'd be kind of cool and there's not really any pressure for me to be the guy same thing with spezza same thing with simmons like but i agree with that i mean and you know you guys are bc boys i mean there's some guys that they want to play like jordy ben i'm i know he's from the island and 
him signing in Vancouver, I'm sure that's no coincidence, right? He probably had a couple offers, but, you know, I mean, if I was good enough to play in the NHL, I'd want to play at least one year in Vancouver just to experience what it's like. And I'd probably just try not yeah. to be a Jake Rutan and just out at the Roxy and, you know, partying all the time. <laughs> exactly. There's got to be something different or something appealing about playing in your hometown, like the, the rink or the team you grew up watching. You grew up going to games and watching your heroes and your idols play, and there's got to be something just so attractive about that to to a lot of players. So I can I can totally see that that appeal of your hometown team. So we'll switch gears here, uh, change over to the Canucks. Um, so Brandon, I mean, we just talked about Markstrom. That's a that's a big um, you know team MVP, leaving the team. Yeah, um, that's that's going to be hard to replace. But you know, Thatcher Demko showed you know glimpses of why he's been touted for so long and then they added in Braden Holtby who we also mentioned but I mean do you feel like this team has gotten better or have they regressed going into next season I think it's I mean it's such a so I, I guess the, the variables there are like can uh, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes get better uh, to the degree that you don't notice how much worse they got in goaltending <laughs> and it's like the I mean, I mean, that's really the only way you can factor it. Like, I think Holtby is a decent goaltender. I think that Demko is going to be a clutch number one. He's, he's, he kind of is like a, a Schneider, you know, part two. But uh, it, it's going to take a year or two to get into that. And I think that he probably just got hot for the Vegas series. You can't expect him to look like that. So, um, I, you know, I think Markstrom probably got the team, I'd say conservatively, five to eight wins that they had no business getting last year. And so how do you make that up? Um, I think they're probably going to be about the same, going to be a struggle for a, a wild card spot. But I, I have a lot of faith in guys like like Pedersen and Hughes kind of being able to step it up. I think that, I mean, he was kind of established in the playoffs how quickly he learns. I mean, I don't know how closely while you watch the Vancouver series, but he's kind of getting bodied and pushed around a little bit at the start of that Vegas series. And then by the end, he was playing some of his best hockey. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, th I think that they're – they're probably going to be about right where they were, but I think that they've set themselves up to have a really good year following that. Yeah, I think uh, that's a really conservative estimate for Markstrom, how many games he stole. I mean, you just, I think, I yeah, think he exactly. had um, like top five high danger chances in, in the league, but just he played so many more games than everybody else in that list. And, um, he just stole so many games, so it's, it's going to be really hard to, to replace that. I know Braden Holtby, I mean, Ryan, you can probably back me up on this, but um, he hasn't looked amazing the last few seasons. The, the Capitals' defense has been pretty suspect, yeah. to put it lightly. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm, re I'm really worried how he's going to look, you know, with, with guys like Tyler Myers <laughs> and Jordy Ben out there. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that, that Hughes can play 60 minutes a night. Sorry, Ryan, you can go, but, yeah, not, not a lot well, of faith. I'll say this, Brandon, though, like, you're kind of – I think a lot of people have – like, when that Holtby signing happened, like, people were just like, oh, my God, oh, he's terrible. Well, two things about this. First of all, it's not like the Canucks necessarily have this great defensive core. Like, he may not look good anyways, but he did sign there, and he, he said that he was excited to work with uh, Ian Clark, who's the, the goalie coach. And, and that's mm -hmm. the thing, right, mm -hmm. is, you know, some of his best years were when Mitch Korn was the goalie coach, and when Trotz left, he took Mitch Korn with him, and then we saw what happened, right? Todd Reardon came in, wet noodle, I don't even know who the goalie coach was, and Holtby seemed like he regressed a bit, and, you know, yeah, he's getting older too, but if he can be reinvigorated with Ian Clark, and, 
you know, I mean, how often do you sign? And I understand it's a different circumstance altogether, but you get a Vesna Cup-winning goaltender for less than five million. I mean, that's that's a very good deal in my opinion. So I think Canuck fans just need to chill out. Okay, you don't disrespect my boy, <laughs> who just has one of the greatest saves in playoff history. Um, Steal my wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, my <computer>. like, like <laughs> my you know most of my family are Canuck fans, and they were just like oh my gosh I can't believe he signed this guy and I'm like well you, you kind of have yeah. to you, you just lost your number one goalie but uh but at the same time like I say I just I, I think that Canuck fans need to understand that outside of Quinn Hughes and Nate Schmidt like yeah I mean they lost Tanev they lost Stetcher they lost some some depth guys and you know the Canucks aren't gonna be superstars <laughs> next year so one other one other thing to consider uh one other thing to consider with the Holby signing is that they're intending for probably like a 1A, 1B thing between uh, Holby and Demko for the next year or two, that Braden Holby is not just going to be playing, he's also going to be mentoring and getting Demko ready for the starter role. And like you mentioned, you know, Vesna winning, Stanley Cup winning goaltender, who's a better candidate for something like that, training and developing, uh, helping prepare a a future starting goalie? Well, and you think back to, and I mean, you guys know this being where you live too, like Luongo-Schneider was a great tandem, but Luongo could be kind of a head case. And Schneider, you know, was was still under his guidance, but there were times Luongo was was really stressed out and he was kind of in his own head and everything, right? And I think Holtby, if he comes in and there's no real pressure on him, it's like you're just keeping the seat warm for Demko, right? Luongo was sort of almost having a fight to keep that seat for a little bit there. So I think that Holtby, his, his, I mean, the guy's a, like a Jedi, and I think that he'll, he'll <laughs> guide, uh, you know, he'll guide Demko, and he understands his role here. And you're right, he signed two years. I mean, I think the they kind of made the second year a bit of like a heavier kind of contract, so that maybe Seattle doesn't pick him up in the expansion draft. But Demko needs a guy like Holtby in his corner to to help him out, and I think it's, like I said, I think it's a great signing. I think Canuck fans just chill. You're not winning the cup next year anyway, so just relax. Yeah, and one thing I want to add to that is Holpe has been an absolute workhorse for the Capitals too. Yeah. Where he's he's I mean he passed Broder's win record. Tied it, yeah. A few, yeah. So, you know he's he's played a lot of games. So if they need him to, he can he can go in there night in night out. And it's going to be really important to have goalies that can just eat up games because this season's going to be condensed. And you know you might have to rotate game in game out. So it, it, they're going to need that quality guy yeah. like that it's proven. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the defense, is, I think, is going to be, um, you know, the weak point um, for sure. But uh, moving past uh, this, this upcoming season, um, we've got Louis Erickson's no-trade clause turns into a modified 15 no-trade list this at the beginning of this season. Um, and then they, the Canucks have Sutter, Pearson, Berchi, if you want to count them, Godet, uh, Petey, uh, Edler, Ben, Hughes, and Demko all have contracts expiring. So, um, Brandon, and, and feel free to touch on this too, Ryan. Um, do you have faith in Jim Benning's ability to navigate the situation in next offseason? Man, I'm so annoyed that they let Lawrence Gilman go kind of at the start of their reign here. And like I'm not sure how familiar you, you guys are with that that whole story, right? But he was part of Mike Gillis's regime. He was the, the assistant GM there, but he's like the contracts guru, right? Like the, uh, the the legal cap guru for the league. And then he went to help uh, set the the expansion rules for the for the the NHL teams when Vegas was coming in. 
and then George McPhee hired him as a consultant to build that wagon Vegas team to kind of so go, go through those it. rules. But all through this, yeah, exactly. Like all, all through this, the, the the brain of Lawrence Gilman, and then it seems like that's exactly what Benning needed, and they just let him walk out because either he didn't appreciate it or felt threatened. I have no idea what the deal is there, but it seems like Benning is finally coming around to being able to to do some decent moves. I mean, you really can't argue with that Nate Schmidt deal. Um, the Tyler Myers one, that one, I mean, that's ugly. Louis Erickson's ugly. There's, there's definitely been some ugly moves, but I think you, you could almost do more damage now uh, firing Benning and bringing in some other GM to try and, um, you know, mop, mop up the pieces. I'd, I'd rather see Benning try and figure out kind of where he's going with this and manage to take it through to the end. Um, I mean, we're, we're at the end of the Louis Erickson saga, right? I mean, his contract ends in 21-22, but I think this next offseason, not this one, but the one following, I think they'll be able to trade him no problem at all. Um, you know, there'll be almost no, no money actually left on the cap, but it'll be decent. It'll be $6 million against the cap, right? Sorry, so and, and not, not much actual money. I think it's 2 or $3 million. I don't have this contract up in front of me, but a team like Ottawa or a basement team is probably going to pick that up. But it just, it's just it's so frustrating, even with the uh, the uh, Luongo contract still being on the books, right? It, like it's, it seems yeah. like the Canucks are getting punished for another two years for $3 million, which is a bottom-pairing defenseman, which is what they need to be you know better or or like a decent bottom six guy right but there's just all this there's probably 20 million dollars tied up in mediocre to average players so yeah man it's uh i i guess to, to answer your question though do i have faith i'm i'm probably at six out of ten on the faith scale i'm not exactly <laughs> I'm not i'm not way up there uh but I, I i think a lot of canucks fans are really anxious because they we haven't had a superstar like Pedersen, i don't think ever and uh, there's a lot of the supporting pieces that you need are there, uh, including the, the goalie you think of the future and uh, stud number one defenseman we've, we've never had. I mean, I think Quinn Hughes is, is kind of an outlier in, in the league, but I mean, the Canucks as a team have been just wanting of a defenseman like that for 50 plus years. So for them to finally have that, it, it, people get really anxious about all the little tiny moves that they think Benning should be doing or that they could do better. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was only going to say, I think Benning does really good with his drafting. He does decent with his trades his signings are a little bit suspect though and you mentioned all those names that are going to come up I think that guys like Pedersen and Hughes will get you know they're going to get paid but then Benning's going to just throw a curveball and he'll literally just like sign Jack Johnson to like a four-year deal (laughs) field and just be like well we gotta fill up our defense somehow yeah yeah but anyway sorry Sean go ahead I was literally just going to ask about uh having faith in Benning's drafting versus his signings so you you pretty much answered that (laughs) yeah yeah, they do a really good job of uh, drafting those uh, like northern U.S. players. Um, whoever the scout is out there must have uh, you know Benning's ear pretty pretty well. But uh, you know, uh, one thing I, I I saw is that you know there's a lot of those contracts up, but uh, you know the Capitals have Jacob Vrana and, and Ovechkin's up, so you know maybe they'll be able to bring in some more Capitals to uh, to offset some of those losses, bring in just some more fan favorites. Can you imagine. With <laughs> no. Hey, hey. What, 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 what no. Caps trading to get Pedersen though. Yeah, yeah. Do the opposite. Bring him. Bring him out west or out east. We'll trade you T.J. Oshie, you, 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 Michael Kempney, and our first yeah. round pick for Pedersen. <laughs> you have Beagle back. Yeah. Done. Accepted. Um. All right. Well, we'll switch over to the uh, the Capitals here. Um. Because you know there's been a lot of uh, movement on on the caps uh, front, 
obviously moving on from Braden Holtby. Um, but, you know, they've also got a, a new head coach. You, you mentioned the wet noodle himself, Todd Reardon. Um, I was never a big fan of him. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Laviolette's kind of known for having that immediate success went with a team and has brought some teams to, you know, the, the Scaling Cup finals with him being there for a couple seasons. Um, so, uh, you know, do you think Laviolette is going to have a fair chance of, you know, making a push with a team made up of, so many veterans like the Washington Capitals, Ryan? Um, I think so. I think that, like, I mean, that watching the playoffs, Ovi and Tom Wilson and uh, uh, there's one guy on the blue line, Nick Jensen, I think, was the only guy that I really saw, like, really looked good, like they were trying. And, you know, like you, like Burke, and you can attest to this, man, Todd Rudin, half the time he looked confused behind the bench. Like, he just didn't look like he knew how to deploy his guys, uh, how to line match anything, right? And, when you, I mean, it was pretty telling when the Islanders beat the Caps in the handshake line. When every player on the Caps got to trots, like you know, guys like John Carlson, Ovechkin, those guys, they weren't just shaking his hand, moving on. I mean, they were stopping, they were giving him hugs. Like Braden Holpe had a like a probably a good fifteen second conversation with him on the ice, and it just seemed like they didn't have that same respect for Reardon, um, who was their own head coach. So. I think Laviolette coming in is going to light a fire under them. And, and, you know, I think guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom, those guys are getting older, and they know that they really only have a couple more years to really be competitive. I mean, Backstrom, I think, only signed for three or four more seasons. Ovechkin's probably only going to sign for two or three more himself. And I think that's the, the rumor is that Ovi wants to sign and they retire at the same time yeah. at the end of Backstrom's contract. Yeah. 24, yeah, 25. So and I mean Ovechkin. I think the only the only thing pushing him, I think, is that goals record. But if Laviolette can come in and just yeah, I mean, when I when I played hockey, I had coaches that I actually like I absolutely hated, but they demanded success and and we would win. But you'd hate them. And at the end of the day, it's like well, if you're winning, I mean whatever, right? People used to say about Scotty Bowman, you hated him on 364 days of the year, and on day 365, you got your cup ring. So if Laviolette can come <laughs> in and you know, light a fire under these guys, then then I think that it's all, uh, you know, a good move. And I don't know, Burke, I mean, what did you see from the Caps when they were in that bubble situation there? It definitely didn't seem like they came in looking great. Um, you know, even in the little exhibition matchups they had, they, they really struggled. And, yeah, you mentioned uh, Jensen. He looked, he looked like he was trying, and he actually had a, a pretty nice redemption arc throughout the season where mm -hmm. he – looked really bad and you know when we at the end of last year he was probably the worst defenseman on the team but he really worked on his his puck movement and he was skating he's always been a really great skater and it was kind of almost like michael kempney was was the worst guy out there on the yeah. d line um in my opinion which was a total 180 um but yeah i mean there's a few guys trying out there but yeah i think he kind of nailed it where they weren't really in it and i think that comes down to coaching because um, you know, I was fully on board the pay trots his money um, train, and and Todd Reardon, first time head coach. I mean, maybe he's a defensive marvel. I don't know, <laughs> but he. I don't think he was ready for that move, and it was kind of a not really setting him up for success. It was kind of a situation where I was like, you know, the team's really talented, and maybe they can they can get you there on their talent alone. But you know, that's not enough to win in, in the Stanley Cup 
layoffs. I mean, we saw it with Trotz where he was just real hesitant to adjust anything and not play young players. And then he finally did. And, you know, they break through. Um, so Reardon, I think, just couldn't get that extra step out of the team that you need in playoffs. And I don't think he was a real great motivator. And you're totally right. He just looked totally lost out there. I mean, there's always those those, those classic memes with, you know, Kevin from the <laughs> office. Just, you know, <laughs> he, he, that's just what he was. He just... I don't think he was a great motivator. And I think Laviolette, you know, the, the big meme with him is that work the body where he's punching the guy's <laughs> helmet. So <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, it can shake things up. And from everything I've seen from him, um, I'm excited. I'm excited, but uh, a little nervous about the D, the D situation again, where we brought in Justin Schultz, who I don't know about you, Ryan, but I'm not, uh, I'm not huge on, on Schultz. I know uh, Sean remembers him from his time in, in Edmonton. Um, not great, right, Sean? He, I mean, this was, his, this was his early years, and he was playing in a, on an Edmonton team where he wasn't getting any training on defense. So, of course, he was very mediocre at best, and he got, uh, he got a, lot of, well, a lot of shit thrown at him uh, from the fan base and just, you know, had an improper role, and he just wasn't thriving at all. So I don't, I don't think he's going to be a particularly great force for the Capitals' defense, but... Well, We'll have to wait and see if he's improved at all of, uh, in his internal game when he when he gets a, a role in Washington here. Yeah, I kind of looked at Schultz yeah. like he's gone Carlson light. Like he can put up that's a good way to put it. Fifty points. He's he's not going to be the greatest defensive player for you. So the signing didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But then I thought Kempney's going to be out long term. You know, Jensen. Yeah. I don't know what to make of. He lost Gudis. I feel like it was just a move that they were like, we need to fill our blue line, and this guy's available. And you know what, to be honest, and Burke, you might remember this, a few years back, Pittsburgh let go of Brooks Orpik and Matt Niskanen, and Caps picked him up and ended up winning yep. a cup. So it's like Schultz has a couple Stanley Cups to his name, and I, I don't think he was uh, a key part of any any of those. But still, it's like it doesn't hurt to have a guy like that on your roster for a little bit of experience. The Caps don't even have defensive prospects, really, aside from Siegenthaler. Like, they drafted Johansson first round a couple years ago, and that guy looks like he's uh, he's kind of hit his ceiling as a depth AHL guy now. So it's uh, Martin Fairvary. Oh, that I kid. think he's. I, I, we got the chance to see him actually in the um, the World Juniors exhibition game uh, when they played in Nanaimo, and oh. he's actually been developing. He's played a few games this this season. Um, he looks like a, a solid solid pick, but um, what is it, Alexi Alexiev? He's he. They picked Is him that very Russian high. By any chance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it might be, <laughs> but uh, he's been hit by some injuries where he's missed a lot of time. I think he played for Red Deer in the dub, um, but has had a lot of injuries. So yeah, it's it's kind of the weak spot of that that franchise is they've been so successful um, in terms of making playoffs, where they've drafted quite low for a long time. You know that that suffering from success. Uh, Detroit is kind of, you know, at a worse off spot than that right now. But, you know, that that streak really hit them where, you know, you're not always you can't always draft Pavel Datsuk, you know, 390th overall and, you know, have him turn into your top lines forward. So, yeah, I'm a little nervous about uh, Kempney being out and and Schultz being uh, brought in. And well, we'll see, I guess. But what about the. 
Brendan Dillon, I mean, what, like, what did you guys think about his performance? I know he signed a, a couple of years there, right? He just signed a two-year yeah. contract there. How did you think he fit in? Uh, I mean, he like his, I think it was his first week he fought Evgeny Malkin, oh, yeah. so that really that. endeared yeah, him yeah. to fans. It kind of won me over. Um, I, yeah. I mean, just on the eye test, it seems like he's a pretty, you know, plays a basic game and doesn't, you know, mess around with the puck too much. But I don't know about his in advanced stats, but um, – <laughs> Seems like a good fit, but I'm I'm just a little nervous that the Capitals have seven D men that are 29 or 30 right now. And, yeah, exactly. And they've got yeah, like like Ryan was saying, they've got Siegenthaler and Fairvari. That that's pretty much it that can slot in. So yeah, they're 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 obviously like in win now mode, and like like we just you guys were just talking about like the the the, the coach hire with uh, hiring Laviolette seems like they're just confirming that they're ready to go for the next couple of years, right? See if they can mm-hmm. win three out of the next four years they've got Ovi and, and the rest of this crew here and then they can leave the ashes <laughs> of the team there to try and you know, for some, some other GM to pick up the pieces right? yeah but just like I, I wanted to make a quick quick comment though just what a neat construction for the roster like I, I haven't looked at this but they, they must be spending the least amount of money in the whole league on their goalie tandem right under two and a half million <laughs> for both starter and backup yeah they really bought into Samsonov and apparently he hurt himself in an atv accident so i mean i'm hoping that's not like a (laughs) joe sack situation where he puts his hand in the the snowblower and has to retire but (laughs) i mean we've got the goalie situation is a little tenuous at best they've got uh copley and i guess vitek vanacek you know big names um (laughs) to, to back up so could be a rough season to uh start Samsonov in his first year, you know, a compressed schedule. It's going to be rough. Well, they got Lundqvist, right, to come in and be the, the mentor for him, right? So that's the thing. I mean, and yeah. having a guy like Lundqvist in your room, too, I mean, we just talked about how handsome Tom Wilson is. Those two guys out in Washington, <laughs> it's just, I, I wish I could be third, uh, the third line uh, guy on that, that tandem to be <laughs> riding around town. But yeah, I mean, and Lundqvist coming in, too. I, don't, I mean, he's Swedish. I don't think that. Uh, Samsonov really has some sort of affinity for Lundqvist. He might have looked up to him, but um, different different countries. But I do think that a guy yeah. like Lundqvist, again, coming in, is, is going to be like a Joe Thornton. Like, Lundqvist is probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame and has, you know, mm-hmm. had a great career. And if he can just kind of instill in Samsonov that, hey, listen, you know, there's a lot of hype around you, and, and rightfully so, but there's no guarantees that you're ever going to win. And, uh, you know, I, I mean – for Lundqvist, he's, I, I, I hope that that's like the Kim O'Timinen type signing where they're just like, okay, <laughs> let's get a cup for Hank. And uh, I'd love to see Ovechkin do a sackic, you know, just not even lift it, just give it right to him and yeah, him take a lap with it. Af- Was it after 22 years? <laughs> yeah. Raymond Bork? Yeah. Lundqvist, <laughs> would, Lundqvist would be like just so handsome too. He'd have like a suit on instead of his pads. I'd be like, what oh, happened? I mean, <laughs> there was one, one girl was, was showing her, herself off but if Lundqvist <laughs> was there it would <laughs> every woman in attendance It'd be like wreck beach <laughs> at the arena or something yeah <laughs> yeah so you guys talked about the, the the defensive lineup troubles that the caps might have and you know looking at their like you just talked about their goalie tandem of you know Ilya Samsonov who's sophomore slash rookie starter and an aging backup in Henrik Lundqvist do you have enough faith in that goalie tandem to cover the defense yeah I don't know Burke what do you think I mean, Lundqvist plays pretty, pretty far back in his net, and I don't know. I mean, the Capitals gave up a lot of goals 
last year, and I think Holtby is a better goalie than Lundqvist is at this point in his career. Um, so I'm a little nervous about about that. Um, I don't think that they're going to be be good enough to cover up for any woes if if the defense is is a little lackluster. I mean, Ryan, what do you what do you think on this? It's a tough question, Sean. Yeah, yeah geez. <laughs> um, it's that end essay <laughs> I, I question. You can't on. write anything on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is this an interrogation? <laughs> um, I think Samsonov, <laughs> like it all depends on how his injury is, and then Lundqvist. I, I mean, I don't think Lundqvist is going to get any better, and um, yeah, I mean, it's the the pro- the thing with Washington. The nice thing is you have a guy like John Carlson who can put up. 70 points from your blue line and and that's awesome but he's also the number one defenseman and at times he just gets walked and i don't think i mean kempney was kind of this guy but like we saw it this year in vancouver right quinn hughes would go out with a guy like myers or tanev or somebody to kind of cover up so that he could take the puck and rush it and everything like that and i think that's that's a, a good combination on your blue line but i think sometimes carlson gets a little too you know shoot from the hip and rush the puck and then it's like oh you lose it and he's not that quick either so (laughs) sometimes he has trouble getting back and it gives up the odd man rushes but i don't know i mean i i mean uh, the problem is the metro is getting so good now too with the exception of the devils like the rangers just got a first overall pick they just had a heart trophy candidate that they signed as a free agent and they didn't have to give up anything and then Capococco, I mean, he's a second overall pick who's probably going to get better. And, you know, they signed D'Angelo, that Adam Fox kid. They're, like, talking about him like he's going to be the next Brian Leach. Um, the Islanders have trots. The, the the Blue Jackets, they look like they're a playoff team. And then the Hurricanes, too. I mean, the Hurricanes got pretty good in the last couple of seasons. So the Metro, to me, is a toss-up. And I, I know we've talked about this on our show, but I've kind of wondered if the Capitals and the Penguins, after years of dominance, are going to be – of on the other side of the pendulum like the kings and the blackhawks are and you know and this is just kind of what we see in that cycle every five years it's like teams that were good get bad and teams that drafted high and and you know that's why i expect ottawa to to be a player uh you know playoff contender here in a few years but uh, i i don't know i still got to root for the team and they break my heart every year except for 2018 but (laughs) i mean it's like i'd love to see ovechkin at least get one more cup and i think that would really cement his legacy and I, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. I think he's for sure top 10 all time, but I think a second cup, and if he gets like 850 goals, and, and you know, if he beats the record, I think he, I think you have to consider him top 10. Oh, yeah. At that easily, point. easily the best goal scorer of all time yeah, you don't have right to now already. Um, you know, top 10 is harder to push because there's so much, so many different positions and so many different errors to factor in. But if he hits, like you said, if he gets that second cup, if he gets up to 800, 850 goals, then he's definitely going to be in some people's arguments for that. Me and, me and Burke yeah. will just be just we'll do a whole <laughs> hour long pod just on the, the retirement episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was watching some highlights earlier on in his career and just forget how much of a different player he was. Sometimes like just such a such a game changer. Like he was all over the place, like speed and hitting and just the shot and just. Like that speed element, you see it in very short glimpses now, but it's not the same. Like he doesn't just kind of take over a game like he used to. And um, it's really testament to his skill level, though, that he's able to still be super effective and still be like, you know, a 50 goal scorer without that 
that original aspect of his game. He's really changed it up, and he's got the big shot, and I just love watching him play, and it's making me sad thinking about him retiring right now. <laughs> it's it's going to be really sad. It's going to be depressing when that happens, and I'm, I think he's going to you know, keep playing in Russia after he retires from the NHL, and it's going to be... You know, you'll see highlights of Ovi just getting, like, two hatties in a KHL game <laughs> against, like, you know, some trash team that is owned by the Mafia, and, <laughs> and he just lights it up. So, but, yeah, I think, yeah, if he gets one more cup, his, his legacy is really going to be cemented as, you know, one of those top top of all times, if it's not already. Just make it harder for those you know, Obi detractors to, to their case gets weaker and weaker. Um, but to, uh, to wrap up, um, is there anything that you guys want to uh, plug? Is there anything upcoming that, uh, you know, anyone who listens to our show can uh, look forward to and, and pop in on Apple podcasts, Spotify. Yeah, definitely everywhere. You can find the podcast. Uh, look for, for the hockey minute. Uh, I think we're the hockey uh, for the website. If you want to check us out there. And I think it's just at Hockey Minute on Twitter, but I don't actually know, <laughs> so don't uh, don't 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 hold me to that. Maybe we'll we'll send you a link after, and we can uh, get the proper one put in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, we're we're at the Hockey Minute on our socials, so yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're we're a highly professional outfit here. <laughs> yeah, just like us. Um, yeah, well, I mean, look, looking forward to seeing you know some of the more content you guys put thrown out there. Um, you guys, like we said got some amazing guests that to come on so looking forward to what has in store and um I'm, I'm, i've got a few more questions that we didn't get to today just for for time so we'll have to have you guys come back on and you know we can uh shoot the breeze a little bit more yeah for sure man this was uh, it was a lot of fun i really appreciate you having us on absolutely guys thank you of course thanks for being here guys that we're going to wrap things up for this time here on clappercast make sure you rate review and subscribe to our show on any podcast platform and spread around the good word of clappercast also make sure to check out the hockey minute wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date with the latest content you can follow us on instagram and facebook at clappercast media or on twitter at clappercast we'll be back next time with more hockey talk